people may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. John C. Maxwell. You are listening to the On Track Families podcast with your host, Lori Taylor Pruitt. We're here to help families like yours find simple solutions to stay on track and to make the journey from surviving to thriving. That quote was so good, I'm going to say it again. People may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. Step number three, simple steps to success is clear communications. Clear communication. We are communicating every minute of every day. You know that over 90% of our communication is nonverbal. What does that mean? That means it's our body language and our tone of voice. Body language alone speaks volumes. Parents, teachers, you know what I mean. You have the look, right? With just a look, your children can know when you mean business. I remember my first teaching job. I had a hard time with this one. I am serious about getting things done about the simple systems, about helping my students be successful. And so I suppose I'm a mild-mannered dragon, but I'm not a fire-breathing dragon. And I didn't have a look, a look that meant business. And I had to work on it. I had to look in the mirror and develop a very stern look because there's sometimes that look could save a lot of words and other interaction and my students were special needs students and they were accustomed to knowing when they were crossing lines they needed social cues and so that stern look could give them an idea that oh wait you know that's a yellow light I need to back up I need to think this through. I need to stop what I'm doing. And so I had to work on that look. We are communicating with our body language all the time, whether we know it or not. Are we interested? Are we bored? Are we happy? Are we sad? People can read us. They can see us coming and they're thinking, hmm, maybe we're just lost in thought. And they think we're upset about something. But even if they don't perceive our body language in the right way, there's communication going on. If there are not words attached to it and we don't keep that communication clear, then people can begin to think that what they perceive from our body language is the truth. I know I was a very shy, reserved child. I tried to avoid eye contact and I did not initiate any conversation with people. I was shocked to find out 
from some of my classmates that people thought that I didn't speak to them because I thought I was better than them. That was conceited. And you know the word, stuck up. She's so stuck up. She doesn't speak to anybody. That wasn't the case at all. It was actually the opposite. I had no idea, had no confidence to initiate those kind of conversations. So my body language was communicating one thing to people, but it wasn't the truth about me. A lot of our communication is nonverbal and it just happens without us really thinking through it. So that's why I attached the word clear communication, not just communication. As we head into back to school week, this clear communication is a pivot point. Everything can pivot on this. And I'm serious, it, it really does. The words we say, the way we say them, affects everything else that we're trying to do. We can tell our child that it's time to go, but the way we say it is what's going to affect their attitude. What are they going to feel? What's our attitude? So we might say, it's time to get in the car. But what are they going to feel? It depends on how we said it. If we say, come on, it's time to get in the car. Or we can say, it's time to get in the car. How do those words make people feel? Yeah, just have to think about it for a minute. We need to consciously, clearly, intentionally say what we mean and mean what we say. We need to think about those words before they come flying out of our mouths. And sometimes it's going to happen. Okay? This, again, is not a place that we're trying to be perfect. But we are trying to do better. We're trying to make improvements. Why? Because we want to value people and prioritize people, starting with our own family and our own children. But sadly, sadly, y'all, that's one of the first places that we let it go, is in our home. We will work harder and try harder for clear communication with people outside our home, at work, at schools, baseball practice, band practice, gymnastics. We will go the extra mile for the clear communication. But sometimes we can drop it as soon as we walk through the front door. It's like, I don't want to work that hard. Just do what I tell you to do. And sometimes they will. And that can be very effective. Demanding that people do what you tell them to do can be very effective. Now, I'm not talking about basic obedience. I'm not talking about 
that parents cannot direct their children. I'm just asking you to think about, are you directing them to do something out of your frustration and your anger, but then you expect them to be cheerful about it? I remember with one of my children, when I was a young parent, first learning about such things, and the child came up to me and said, give me a carrot. And I said, say please, because I reacted. Emotionally, I matched that child's emotion. I said, say please. And so the child said, please. And I said, say it nicely. And the child said, say it nicely. Uh, I began to hear myself. That was a hard mirror of my words. It was hard for me to listen to because I was becoming increasingly frustrated at her frustration, but she was only modeling me. But what a revelation that was that she was modeling me. So if she modeled my frustration, would she model me being more pleasant? And so I learned to say, say, please. And she said, please. You see what happened? I set the tone. I started the clear communication. I realized that I could be what I wanted them to be and have them see that. But very often, oh, parents, I, I hate to pull this out, but this is some tough love right here. We speak in a tone to our children that we won't allow our children to use with anyone else. But we're constantly modeling for them and then we're frustrated with them when they use the same tone that we use with them way too often. Let's back up again and remind ourselves that we're not talking about perfection here, that we do this perfectly, that we're floating around, rainbows and butterflies, always saying the perfectly sickeningly sweet things to each other. No, that's what I'm not. No, 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 no. Not talking about that. I'm talking about real life. How do you want your friend, your spouse to ask you to do something? How do you want your children to interact with you? First and foremost, we set the tone for that. Okay. Another layer of this communication, let's think of it like a cake. Another layer is that we have to make sure that if what we said was actually heard the way we intended it. Was it received and heard the way we intended it? And was it understood? We can't assume that because we said it, or even if we took time to say it just right, we can't assume that someone understood it. Have you had a, ever had a conversation where 
you're talking to someone and you're both talking about something and you think you're talking about the same thing, but you're actually talking about two completely different things. But for some weird reason, everything that you say back and forth makes sense about that situation, but you're not talking about the same thing. That happened to my husband and I recently. We were talking about two different situations with two different daughters, but it could all make sense up until the point that it didn't. I thought, wait, what are you talking about? And then we backtracked and thought, oh, you thought I was talking about that? I was talking about this. We have to make sure that the other person understood what we were saying. How do we do that? We ask questions. Sometimes my husband and I have a habit of repeating back what the person said. Said, okay, so what you're telling me is that you are stopping by the store so you will be home at 6.30 but not at six. It's like, that's right. Just to make sure that we understood each other. That's okay. You can build that habit. Build that habit of asking questions so that it doesn't seem like you are micromanaging someone else. There are ways that you can say it. Your tone of voice makes a difference. So if instead of having that little banter back and forth, that healthy, happy banter that we had about what time he will be home and what he's doing that's out of the ordinary. What if I had said, why aren't you going to be home at six? Ooh, That's an accusation. As soon as we make people around us feel unsafe because we're going to accuse them or attempt to manipulate them, or micromanage them in some way make them feel uncomfortable our survival brain kicks in and all we care about is being safe and loved and we stop hearing what people are saying we stop processing it in a timely fashion it matters what we say and how we say it It matters that we make sure that what we said was heard and understood. And last but not least, if there's an action step involved, we want to make sure that the person realizes that action step and be willing to come beside them, support them, remind them. If it's not a habit for them, if you're trying to place one of your habits on someone else, then you want to give them time to develop that simple system into a habit that's more automatic for them. So our communication cannot assume that because we said it, they heard it, they understood it, and they're going to do it. We need to come beside our children, walk them through those steps of the communication and make sure that we have set them up for success because communication is way more than telling. It's an opportunity to build relationship. Remember, people 
may hear your words, but they will what? Feel your attitude. As you head into this first week of school, think about the words that you say and how you will say them so that you can set your family up for the back to school party. We can't change the world, but we can change us because we are going to be the difference.